Welcome to the University of Michigan Dentistry Podcast Series, promoting oral health care worldwide. In your exposure of the lateral pharyngeal wall, you will be removing then the last of the muscles of the masticator compartment. To do so, you must expose, as last time, the lateral pterygoid plate and break it free from its attachment to the surface of the maxilla in this area. Once that plate is removed, we then need to define the posterior margin of the medial pterygoid muscle. To do so, we'll reflect the lingual nerve and maintain it, but get it out of our way. At this point, you can see then the full posterior margin of the medial pterygoid muscle. You will notice in this district, this area, that you have a difference in muscle fiber orientation. Be alert to that at the posterior margin. That is the tensor villipalatini muscle lying beneath the medial pterygoid. It's an important distinction. We want to leave this muscle in place and remove the medial pterygoid. Another way of doing that is to define the posterior margin of the medial pterygoid, slide along its medial aspect, and pass your instrument then just deep to the medial pterygoid but superficial to tensor. One then scoops the medial pterygoid muscle out of the pterygoid fossa, completely loosening it. Then if we consider the cut that we will have to make in the mandible, which in this case has already been sectioned, the landmarks you want to consider then are that you leave the apex of the retromolar trigone on the mandible and that the entire attachment of medial pterygoid be removed with this portion of the angle. If one checks on the medial aspect of the angle, one gets a feeling for where the attachment is, the cut is placed, and this area mobilized and removed. And you can see in this section that we have, in fact, removed the entire attachment of medial pterygoid. Once the lateral pharyngeal wall has been exposed, it becomes a matter of identifying and realizing that many of these structures in this rather complex area are ones that you have already exposed before and you should keep them in mind as we progress. Um, if we consider some of those landmarks at this point, you'll notice here the tensor villipalatini muscle has been exposed and at this point we can see the pterygoid hamulus. This is a bony landmark of this dissection. If we pass in this direction, we are going to be able to palpate and locate the spine of the sphenoid, which is here, and the associate, excuse me, the uh, styloid process. And the styloid process has associated with it muscles, in this case the styloglossus, the stylohyoid, and one deeper muscle, which you've seen on the posterior pharyngeal wall, the stylopharyngeus muscle. With these landmarks then in mind, we'll begin to look at the wall and the muscles that make up that portion of the pharynx. 
In recollecting the attachments of the superior pharyngeal constrictor, we should remember that you have previously exposed this muscle and that its attachment is not here, but rather is more deep and midline placed. If we look on the posterior pharyngeal wall, which you should do at this point, we will find that the superior pharyngeal constrictor attached then here at the pharyngeal tubercle extended laterally out to the spine of the sphenoid and then anteriorly. It is that anterior lateral wall that we'll be looking at today. At the same time, we should recognize and review the structures of the posterior pharyngeal wall. Now, you remember again that you exposed this area previously and the muscles which make it up can be seen here. One muscle which we talked about that's associated with the styloid process is located here, the stylopharyngeus. Its fibers then separate the superior pharyngeal constrictor from this middle constrictor fiber. And if you follow along the middle constrictor, it's possible to designate a different fiber direction for the inferior pharyngeal constrictor at this point. So on the posterior wall, you have already seen these three constrictors. Now let's consider their lateral aspect. The superior pharyngeal constrictor then, beginning in that midline point, swings forward. And we can see its fibers coming across in this region. Again, you'll notice here is our hamulus. Superior to the hamulus, Extending toward the base of the skull is the medial pterygoid plate, and those are fibers coming into it. The fibers then swing across and attach from the hamulus down to the area of the retromolar trigone, which creates an attachment area between buccinator and superior pharyngeal constrictor, and that's the area here. Then as the superior pharyngeal constrictor approaches the mandible, you want to tip and locate its fibers, recalling that some of them turned and went into the mandible, and others turned and went into the tongue mass. As we study the pharyngeal constrictors, you will find that there will be anterior breaks between the superior, middle, and inferior constrictors. Passing through those breaks are various important structures and things you should locate. They're outlined well in your guide, but one that should be noticed here is the lingual nerve. It passes out of the infratemporal fossa and beneath then the inferior border of the superior pharyngeal constrictor. That's what we viewed here. Now, in looking at the middle pharyngeal constrictor, its landmarks that we need to consider are associated with the hyoid and the styloid process. The styloid process you already had located up here and coming off of the tip of it is a stylohyoid ligament. But let's first find the hyoid. If we remove the digastric sling and its associated muscles, we will begin to expose the area of the hyoid bone. I might suggest that this is a, uh, a critical review sequence that you should follow in dissecting this area. Identify what you've seen before and then expose to the unknown. The in this area of the hyoid bone now, we can reflect the attachment of the mylohyoid here 
And notice at this point the 12th cranial nerve swinging into the base of the tongue. If you remember, passing superficial then to the hyoglossus muscle, which is what we have in this position. Here you located the lingual artery. If those features are reflected then, we can begin then to expose the area of the hyoid bone in its entirety. Here we have the greater horn leading to the lesser horn, which is in this region. And extending down to the lesser horn is the stylohyoid ligament. Now the middle pharyngeal constrictor will begin as a V-shaped attachment anteriorly to the ligament, to the lesser horn, and to the greater horn of the hyoid. Again, review its relationships of structures superior, some we have already identified for you, and inferior to this pharyngeal constrictor. The inferior pharyngeal constrictor is associated with a laryngeal skeleton, and we can see some of its landmarks here, ones that you need to identify, the thyroid cartilage, the superior horn of the thyroid cartilage here. The level of the cricoid, it is still covered by muscle, is here, and we can see very nicely the tracheal rings in this location. These are the anterior attachments then of the inferior constrictor. It wraps around, comes to this portion of the thyroid, passes down over cricoid and trachea, and posteriorly then blends to create the esophagus. Here we can see the recurrent laryngeal nerve, which takes advantage of that break. Now that we've considered the pharyngeal constrictors and how to locate them, I'd like to pass superiorly to this region. Passing above the superior margin of the superior pharyngeal constrictor is the auditory tube and the associated muscles. Here we have the tensor villi palatini muscle, which you've seen before. You can see there the tube, and beneath it, the levator villi palatini. What one needs to do after exposing the tensor and seeing its extent is to reflect it anteriorly and down onto hamulus, and you need to then section the area of the auditory tube, turn it, and look at it. That will orient for you then the important region that passes superior to the superior pharyngeal constrictor. These are all associated structures then of the middle ear and its extension. You've been listening to a presentation from the University of Michigan School of Dentistry, which is dedicated to supporting open learning and open educational resources. This recording is licensed under the Creative Commons. It may be reused and redistributed for nonprofit use. Please attribute materials to the University of Michigan School of Dentistry and redistribute under this same license. For more information on how this and other University of Michigan School of Dentistry recordings may be used, visit www.dent.umich.edu license.